Chapter Sixteen of Dennis' Own Story. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Dennis' Own Story by Don Marquis. Chapter Sixteen. There's a lot of counties in Georgia where the blacks are equal in numbers to the whites, and two or three counties where the blacks number over the whites by two to one. It was for a little town in one of the latter that we pinted ourselves, Dr. Kirby and me and Sam, right into the blackest part of the black belt. That country is full of big-sized plantations where they raise cotton, 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 and then more cotton. Some of them raises fruit too, and other things, of course, but cotton is the main standby, and it looks like it always will be some places there shows that things can't be so awful much changed since slavery days and most of the niggers are sure enough country niggers yet some rents the land right out from the owners and some of em crops it on the shares and very many of em just works as hands a lot of em don't do nigh so well now as they did when their bosses was their masters they tell me and then again some has done right well on their own hook. They entrusted me, because I never had been used to looking at so many niggers. Everywhere you turn, there they is niggers, and then more niggers. Them that thinks they is awful easy to handle out of a natural respect for white folks has got another guess coming. They ain't so bad to get along with if you keep it most paintedly shoved into the hats they is niggers. You got to do that especial in the black belt, just because they is so many of em. They is children all their lives, maybe, till some one minute of craziness may strike one of them, and then he's a devil temporary. Maybe, when the crazy fit is past, some white woman is worse off than if she was dead, or maybe she is dead, or maybe a lunatic for life and that nigger is a candidate for a lynching bee and generally elected by an anonymous majority not that all niggers is that away no half of em nor very many of em even but you can never tell which nigger is going to be so in the black belt the white folks is mighty particular who comes along fooling with the niggers for you can never tell what turn a nigger's thoughts will take once anything at all stirs him up. We didn't know them things then, Dr. Kirby and me didn't. We didn't know we was moving light-hearted right into the middle of the biggest question that has ever been asked, which I disremember exactly how that nigger question is worded, but they is always asking it in the South, and answering of it different ways. We hadn't no idea how suspicious the white people and them awful black spots on the map can get over any one that comes along talking to the niggers. We didn't know anything about niggers much, being both from the north, except what Dr. Kirby had counted on when he made his medicine, and that he knowed second-handed from other people. We didn't take him very serious, nor all the talk we heard about him down south. But even at that we mightn't have got into any trouble if it hadn't of been for old Bishop Warren but that is getting ahead of the story we got into that little town i might just as well call it cottonville 
just about supper time cottonville is a little place of not more'n six hundred people i guess four hundred of em must be niggers after supper we got acquainted with party nigh all the prominent citizens in town they was friendly with us and we was friendly with them georgia had just went for prohibition a few months before that and they hadn't opened up these here near beer bar rooms in the little towns yet like they had in atlanta and the big towns georgia had went prohibition so the niggers couldn't get whiskey some said but others said they didn't know what its excuse was them prominent citizens was loafing around the hotel and every now and then inviting each other very mysterious into a back room that used to be a pool parlor they had been several chucks come to town by express that day we went back several times ourselves and soon began to get along pretty well with them prominent citizens talking about this and that they finally edges around to the one thing everybody is sure to get talking about sooner or later in the south niggers and then they gets to telling us about this here bishop warren i has mentioned he was a nigger bishop bishop warren was and had a good deal of white blood into him they say an ashy colored nigger with bumps on his face fat as a possum and as cunning as a fox he had plenty of brains into his head too but his brains had turned sour in his head the last few years and the bishop had crazy streaks running through his sense now like fat and lean mixed in a slab of bacon he used to be friends with a lot of big white folks and the whites depended on him at one time to preach orderliness and obedience and agriculture and being in their place to the niggers for years they thought he preached that away he always did preach that away when any whites was around and he sat on platforms sometimes with white preachers and he got good donations from schemes of different kinds but gradual the suspicion got around that when he was alone with a lot of niggers his nigger blood would get the best of him and what he preached wasn't white supremacy at all but hopefulness of being equal so the whites had fell away from him and then his craft was gone and then his brains turned sour in his head and got to working and fermenting in it like cider getting hard and he made a few bad breaks by not being careful what he said before white people but the niggers liked him all the better for that they always had been more or less hell in the bishop's head he had brains and he knowed it and the white folks had let him see they knowed it too and he was part white and his white forefathers had been big men in their day and yet in spite of all of that he had to herd with niggers and to pretend he liked it he was both white and black in his feelings about things so some of his feelings counterdicted others and one of these here race riots went on all the time in his own insides but gradual he got to the place where there was spells he hated both whites and niggers but he hated the whites the worst and now in the last two or three years since his crazy streaks had growed as big as his sensible streaks or bigger there was no telling what he would preach to them niggers but whatever he preached most of them would believe it might be something crazy and harmless or it might be crazy and harmful he had been holding some revival meetings in nigger churches 
right there in that very county, and was it not far away from there right then? The idea had got around he was preaching some most unusual foolishness to the blacks, for the niggers was all acting like they knowed something too good to mention to the white folks, all about there. But some white man had gone to one of the meetings, and the bishop had preached one of his old-time sermons whilst they was there, telling the niggers to be orderly and agriculturous. He was considerable of a fox yet. But he and the rest of the niggers was so darned anxious to be thought agriculturous and servitudinous that the whites smelled a rat and wished he would go, for they didn't want to chase him without they had to. Just when he was getting along fine, one of them prominent citizens asks the doctor, was we there figuring on buying some land? No, says the doctor. We wasn't. There was silence for quite a little spell. Each prominent citizen had maybe had his hopes of unloading some. They all looks a little sad, and then another prominent citizen asks us into the back room again. When we returns to the front room, another prominent citizen makes a little speech that was quite beautiful to hear, and says, maybe we represent some new concern that ain't never been in them parts and is figuring on buying cotton. No, the doctor says, we ain't cotton buyers. Another prominent citizen has the idea maybe we is figuring on one of these here interim trolley lines so the roops in one village can ride over and visit the roops in the next and another one thinks maybe we is figuring on a telephone line and each one makes a very eloquent little speech about them things and drinks in something about our fair southland and when both of them misses their guess it is time for another visit to the back room was we selling something? We was. Was we selling fruit trees? We wasn't. Finally, after everyone has a chew of natural leaf tobacco all around, one prominent citizen makes so bold as to ask us, very courteous, if he might inquire what it was we were selling. The doctor says, medicine. Then there was a slow grin went around that the crowd of prominent citizens. And once again, we has to make a trip to that back room. For they are all sure we must be taking orders for something to beat that there prohibition game. When they misses that guess, they all gets kind of thoughtful and sad. A couple of them don't take no more interest in us, but goes along home, sighing like, as if it wasn't no difference what we sold, as long as it wasn't what they was looking for. But pretty soon, one of them asks, what kind of medicine? The doctor, he tells about it. When he finishes, you never seen such a change as had come onto the faces of that bunch. I never seen such disgusted prominent citizens in my whole life. They looked at each other embarrassed, like they had been catched at something ornery. And they went out, one at a time, saying good night to the hotel keeper and in the most pinted way taking no notice of us at all. It certainly was a chill. We see something is wrong, and we begins to have a notion of what it is. The hotel keeper, he spits out his chew, and goes behind his little counter, and takes a five-cent cigar out of his little showcase, and bites the end off careful. Then he leans his elbows onto his counter, and reads our names to himself out of the register book, 
and looks at us and from us to the names and from the names to us like he is trying to figure out how he come to let us ride him there then he wants to know where we come from before we come to atlanta where we had registered from we tells him we is from the north he lights his cigar like he didn't think much of that cigar and sticks it in his mouth and looks at us so long in an absent-minded kind of way it goes out then he says we ought to go back north why asked the doctor he chewed his cigar pretty nigh up to the middle of it before he answered and when he spoke it was a soft kind of drawl not mad or loud but like there was sorrowful thoughts working him you all done struck the war's path or the south to peddle your nigger medicine in sir i reckon you must love em a heap to be dead concerned over the colour of their skins and he turned his back on us and went into the back room all by himself we seen we was in wrong in that town the doctor says it will be no use trying to introduce our stuff there and we might as well leave there in the morning and go over to birdstown which was a little place about ten miles off the railroad and make our start there so we got a rig the next morning and drove across the country no one bid us good-bye neither and dr kirby says it's a wonder they rented us the rig but before we started the morning we noticed a funny thing we hadn't so much as spoke to any nigger except our own nigger sam and he couldn't have told all the niggers in that town about the stuff to turn niggers white even if he had sat up all night to do it but every last nigger we saw looked like he knowed something about us even after we left town our nigger driver hailed two or three niggers in the road that acted that away it seemed like they was all awful polite to us and yet they was different in their politeness than they was to them georgia folks which is the natural bombosses acted more familiar somehow as if they knowed we must be thinking about the same thing they was thinking about about halfway to birdstown we stopped at the place to get a drink of water seemingly the white folks was away for the day and an old nigger come up and talked to our driver while sam and us was at the well i seen them cutting their eyes at us whilst they was unchecking the hosses to let them drink too and then i hearn the one that belonged to say is your sore that hit air them sore says the driver how come you're so all-powerful sore about it the driver pretended the harness needed some fixing and they went around to the other side of the team and tinkered with one of the traces a talking to each other i heard the old nigger say kind of wonderized is they a quinder now sam he was pulling a bucket of water up out of the well for us with a windlass the doctor says to him sam what does all this mean sam he pretends he don't know what the doctor is talking about but dr kirby he finally pins him down sam hemmed and hawed considerable making up his mind whether he better lie to us or not then all of a sudden he busted out into an awful fit of laughing and like to have fell in the well seemingly he decided for to tell us the truth from what sam says that the bishop has been holding revival meetings in big bethel which is a nigger church right on the edge of birdstown 
and niggers for miles round has been coming night after night and some of them whooping her up daytimes too and the bishop has worked himself up the last three or four nights to where he has been predicting and prophesying for the spirit has hit the meeting hard what he has been prophesying sam says is the coming of a messiah for the nigger race a new elisha he says as will lead them from out in their inequality and bring them up to white standards right on the spot the whites has had their messiah the bishop says but the niggers ain't never had none of their special own yet and they needs one bad and one is sure a coming it seems the whites don't know yet just what the bishop's been a preaching but every nigger for mice on every side of big bethel is a listening and a looking for signs and omens and has been for two three days now this here half crazy bishop has got em worked up to where they is ready to believe anything or do anything so the night before when the word got out in cottonville that we had some scheme to make the niggers white the niggers there took up with the idea that the doctor was maybe the fellow the bishop had been prophesying about and for a sign and the omen and the miracle of his grace and powers was going out to big bethel to turn em white poor devils they didn't see but what being turned white ought to be a part of what they was to get from the coming of that there messiah news spreads among niggers quicker than among whites no one knows how they do it but i've heard tales about how when war times was there they would frequent have the news of a big fight before the white folks papers would soldiers has told me that in them the philippine islands we conquered from spain where there is so much nigger blood mixed up with other kinds in the islanders this mysterious spreading around of news is just the same and just since nine o'clock the night before the news had spread for miles around that bishop warren's messiah was on his way and was going for to turn the bishop white to show his power and grace and he had with him one he had turned part white and that was sam and one he had turned clear white and that was me and they was to be signs and wonders to behold at big bethel with pillars of cloud and sounds of trumpets and fire squirting down from heaven like it always used to be in them old bible days and them the niggers to be led singing and shouting and rejoicing into a land of milk and honey for evermore amen that's what sam says they are looking for dozens and scores and hundreds of them niggers round about sam he had lived in town five or six years and he looked down on all these here ignoramus country niggers so he bust out laughing at first and he pretends like he don't take no stock in any of it besides he knowed well enough he wasn't spotted up by no messiah but it was the dope in the bottles done it but as he told about them goings on sam got more and more interested and warmed up to it and his voice went into a kind of a sing-song like he was prophesying himself and the other two niggers quit pretending to fool around the team and edged a little closer to, and a little closer to yet with their mouths open and their heads a-nodding and the whites of their eyes a-rolling for my part i never heard such a lot of darn foolishness in all my life but the doctor he says nothing at all he listens to sam ranting and rolling out big words and raving and only frowns he climbs back into the buggy again silent and all the rest of the way to birdstown 
he sat there with the scowl on his face i guesses he was thinking now the way things had shaped up he wouldn't sell none of his stuff at all without he fell right in with the reception chance had planned for him but if he did fall in with it and pretend like he was a messiah to them niggers he could get all they had he was maybe thinking how much on area that would make the whole scheme End of chapter 16 Recording by Julia Niedermeyer